Hey everyone, just a quick announcement. If you're going to be in the New York area this weekend, uh, Marvel News says is going to be attending New York Comic Con. We'll be covering the show, and on Friday, October 5th, we'll have a quick meetup. That'll be Friday, uh, 6.30pm to 8.30pm at the Bourbon Street Bar and Grill. I will have a uh, link to the Facebook event um, in the post for this podcast episode, and we hope to see you there. Sometimes he's super campy and very Nordic. Sometimes he's really dumb. Um, sometimes he's a complete heartthrob. Sometimes he's an utter badass. But either way, we all can't resist Thor, the god of thunder, as a character. However, this also applies to MCU's Thor trilogy. Each Thor film is special in its own way. Yes, even the Dark World. <laughs> However, the Thor franchise has been one of the most mixed out of the MCU, and as a result, it can be really hard to find out the thread line in Thor's journey and where his character arc begins and where his character arc ends. Um, the Thor trilogy essentially has had three different directors and three very different films. Um, it's the least consistent, but today on AP Marvel, we're going to see if we can find any thir- through lines in Thor's journey. I'm Izzy, and joining me today is Chris. Hey, I'm Chris. What's up? Uh, Anthony? Hey, I'm Anthony. What's up? Call the cat. Joining us <laughs> and joining us today is our final Stuco teacher, finally on the show. Um, her name is Erin. Yeah, I'm Erin. What's up? <laughs> All right. So, um, yeah, I was like, context like Aaron is Aaron teaches to Stuka with me and we have fine unlike with the inclusion of her we have finally gotten all six Stuka teachers on the podcast yay um I guess yeah Aaron do you want to tell us a little bit about yourself all right well like I go to Carnegie Mellon University like everyone here um I'm a computer science student and I'm a sophomore and oh uh Thor is my favorite uh Marvel character so yes which is why we are, which is why we are all here today. Mm. <laughs> and so, um, so the, I guess to start off, um, before we go in really in depth into these movies, I guess we can all just like go around the proverbial table and talk about our impressions of Thor, um, as a character, as a trilogy, just an overall impression of Thor throughout the MCU so far. Sure. I mean, I remember, um. You know, similar to, like, how Iron Man was uh, a lot of people's first introduction to that character in the mainstream, like, the first Thor movie was kind of ours, and I feel like, um, people have, uh, kind of been ragging on that first movie by Kenneth Branagh, like, it was very, um, over-the-top Shakespearean, and, like, if you look back, his, uh, 
his eyebrows are dyed blonde, which is very I strange. I hate that. Yeah, uh, I hate uh, the, bad the eyebrows make that movie <laughs> the worst. Uh, <laughs> yeah, sure. If you want to oversimplify it that way, but um, <laughs> but uh, I mean, I, I I feel like uh, pre Ragnarok, um, Thor kind of had a reputation of being like a kind of a lame character compared to everyone else, like um. I don't know. He he was very um he had a smaller role in the the first two Avengers movies, I feel. Uh mm-hmm. so like when whenever like a Thor movie came out, it wasn't like a big event. It was just kind of like a oh, it's another one of those Marvel movies, you know, like you're watching the next TV episode of a show, you know. Yeah. Um and now it's very different just from just one movie. And uh, Infinity War kind of building off of that, so um, it's kind of been an interesting real-world arc, like, seeing the perception of the character change, like, um, going from, like, quote-unquote the lame one to, um, I don't know, I feel like, judging from my judging from my Twitter timeline, I, it seems like Thor has become a bisexual icon for some reason. <laughs> but uh it's been it's been quite an amazing transformation to see. What? And, uh, uh, wait, um, what? <laughs> <laughs> we'll talk about that some other time, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh I think yeah, I think so- Thor was sort of suffering from the Superman problem early in the MCU. It's just because he was such a powerful character. Uh and like a lot of the comics, they really didn't know where to put him. So in the first Thor movie, they sort of made him mortal to make him more, I guess, relatable and then Thor the Dark World just didn't do anything interesting. But um but I think now that we're on like more um you know, more than just like world threats, but like threats on like a cosmic scale, Thor can really um shine just because he's more equipped to deal with those problems and more equipped like to struggle like in an interesting way against those problems. Yeah, definitely. I think like Thor he's been through a lot of shit, both like his franchise and like the character as a whole, but I think now we're, I think now, like, the public's are really turned, like, in Thor's favor. And Infinity War also, um, it's debatable what Infinity War does, like, with Thor's arc, but we'll probably talk about that at the end, um, most, like, Lee, sorry, um, the, put something down. But, yeah, I remember seeing, when I saw Thor in the theaters for the first time, like, it was very much, like, my dad, I remember my dad being like, wow, by like the 3D in a weird way. Just like the 3D concept in general, not like Thor's 3D or anything. But I can, I definitely agree with the exception. Like, like for a while, Thor was definitely like the lame duck, really just had nothing to do. And people were complaining that, you know, Thor is such a powerful character. Like he's a god, but you just see him like swinging his hammer and you don't really get any of the, you don't really get like the thunder, like lightning aspect until Infinity War and like Ragnarok. Even. Anthony, what were your first impressions? Uh, I kind of saw it. I didn't see it in theaters. I saw it after everyone else, and I was just kind of like, "Oh, this is cool." I mean, I don't really, I don't really remember it, but it definitely wasn't my favorite of the of the first series. It just kind of was like meh to me, because uh, I've kind of seen that 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 fish out of water story before, and. I'm like, meh. So, and like Thor always was kind of like my least favorite character up until Thor Ragnarok, where now he is my favorite. 
Like he's in like my top four nice. characters. Did anyone have any feelings during the Iron Man two post credit scene where like the, you see the hammer? Like was anyone like, oh shit, they're gonna show Thor? Or was like, oh cool, a hammer, I guess. Um, I mean, I was kind of in between because I didn't know it. I, it was I was excited in like, oh, I get to learn about this new character and they're expanding the universe now. I'm know? trying to remember if I saw it like in theaters because mm. I don't think I did. But um, I kind of was just like, oh, I expected this. <laughs> yeah, I saw Iron Man. Prophet. I saw Iron Man two in theaters. But like my parents didn't know, but post credit scenes were a thing, so I ended up mm. not watching. I ended up reading about it, and I was thinking, you know, like if I was like a, it's like the, if I was a Marvel fan that I was right now when I was like twelve when I watched this, I yeah. would have been like freaking. I feel like I would have been like freaking out. But if but, you, if you were also a Marvel fan then, if the, as you are now, you also would have known that there was a Thor movie coming. That's yeah. also true. <laughs> mm-hmm. But yeah, I, I think. Yeah, I think I think what makes like I mean we'll talk about this more in the end credits episode, but what makes the the hammer scene like much more impactful back then was that no one was really paying attention to everything else behind the scenes, but now what makes more end credit scenes more interesting is stuff that's going on behind the scenes that's not public, like even the f- the tiniest bit of information. Um. So like that hammer scene is probably like meh compared to like everything else, and even if you were paying attention, it probably was meh. Meh, meh is such a an academic term meh. that we're really using using here. it it's so great. many times. Yeah. Yeah. Meh. AP meh. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> um, so throughout like this episode, um, I want to go into each of the three Thor movies, and I think I also definitely want to get into Infinity War because there's a bunch of debate, I think, with Thor around that. Um, and just really go into them, like, not only explore like, how we felt, like, personally, but, like, how Thor was in those movies, um, and sort of try to all congregate and come up together with maybe something concrete that we can take away, um, as you do in AP, any, every, any AP Marvel episode. So, um, obviously, we'll start at the beginning with Thor, and I remember, I mean, in general, was the first Thor movie, I remember being, like, pretty it was still pretty fun but this i think it's the perpetual, fine it's, it's fine it's fine yeah i think the perpetual <laughs> problem with the thor franchise is that loki is also a character in all these three thor movies and so that definitely it's a weird like double-edged sword for thor almost because yes loki contributes he's a he's a great presence in the movie and, he, and like the sibling relationship he has with Thor is so integral to each of these three movies, but you definitely remember Loki more mm-hmm. uh, when you walk out of that theater. That was, uh, I watched an interview with the writer of uh, the first Thor movie, and he said that they knew they were going to use Loki for the Avengers, so the real point of the first Thor movie was just to set up Loki to be a good villain. So, more than <laughs> setting up Thor to be a good hero, yeah. Yeah, I think... Thor was pretty I think that we started to establish like Thor's like you know like I mean as you said like Anthony like it was a very fish out of water storyline like we'd seen it before um Wonder Woman almost I think does this tells the same story but like a little bit better and it was pretty like yeah like Thor 
I think Thor kind of like faded into background a little bit because like as like Eric was saying about wait you're saying Wonder um, Woman sex. did it better right the fi- yes okay. Wonder Woman did oh, a better okay. job Good. at the fish out of water storyline okay I may have heard that wrong okay cool okay but um I think I mean talking about like Thor like in the beginning we were saying like yeah, Thor is like kind of like a he's a punchline he, yeah, he's definitely, like, a punchline. Um, definitely to the characters on Earth, he started out as that. And I feel like they don't... I don't know if they really, like, understand... They definitely don't understand, like, who he is until, like, after he, like, quote-unquote, like, dies. Um, and then Odin sort of puts... Like, gives him his, like, power back. But I think for the most... Yeah, I think for the most part, like, Thor was, you know, pretty one... I think in the first movie, pretty, like, one... No, and he Thor has sad. I mean, Thor, Thor mad. Thor sad. Thor glad. Thor glad. Yes, oh, yeah. I was going to transition to that to give. Actually, you should probably tell the story, Chris. If you haven't, did we? Talk well, about we already talked about in the meta yet? episode. So yeah, okay. like to summarize, like I, I've always kind of championed. Oh, maybe champions too strong of a word, but I've always appreciated the first Thor movie because. Um, in a in an age of nonsensical blockbusters, I felt that the first Thor movie had a very, um, very simple but easy to follow like classic arc. You know, like you yeah. start off with this with this guy who is an asshole. Let's just call him. Um, then he kind of you know um you know like kind of goes into like you know darkness of the soul in the middle. Like he he cannot he's not worthy of his own power. And then he learns humility and then becomes worthy of his power. So in a way, like, the first Thor movie is kind of an origin story. It's like, you know the person Thor, but this is how he becomes the heroic Thor, if that makes any sense. Mm -hmm. Um, The problem is that I think Marvel Studios was a little too cautious when making this movie. So there was a lot of... There was a lot of lampshading. There was a lot of people in universe making fun of the ridiculousness of Thor. Um, which so you have you have a lot of scenes of like you know when the Shield agents see the Warriors Three and Sif, and they're like, uh, yeah, we got uh Robin Hood, Jackie Chan, and uh, Zena coming in, and it's uh, like a lot of dumb jokes like that, and yeah. uh, a lot a, a lot of attempts said, at self awareness. Like, they're like all the punchline, like that's that's the whole bit. Like yeah. Said, ha 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 ha. Look at him being so, so yeah, exactly. Shakespearean and weird and silly. Ha ha ha. Yeah, like the the movie laughing at itself. Like that's that's something. Like your mileage will vary because like you might not really get in with the joke. You know, uh, it might seem a little too desperate, and you get like a lot of silly stuff. Like you know, Thor getting um. Uh, in in the hospital, and he, his face like gets in the window, and there's like a silly little gag there. Or he gets hit by a car, or the part when he goes into the pet shop, and he's like, "I need a horse." And then the the I need a horse. Yeah, the pet shop keeper is just like the like the lamest looking dude ever. Like there was a casting call, was like, "Hey, just find a a nerdy dude." I need um, a horse. Very, yeah. It it just felt very um, it, it felt way too different from the. Asgard stuff, which had this very, um, I think people kind of forget just, like, how different Asgard looked in those in that first movie compared to the, the later movies. Mm-hmm. Um, because there, it, there's something about the, um, the color tone that they used for that movie, and the way they shot, you know, 
uh, Dutch angles withstanding the way they shot that film. Yep. Uh, it looks very, like, golden, very regal, very magical. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and you have, like, shots of floor, like, yelling and in slow motion, like, um, throwing a table around or something like that. And it, it's kind of, it's like, there's a lot of unintentionally funny stuff in Thor because it has that Shakespearean yeah. vibe. So, like, a lot, a lot of, like, Anthony Hopkins and Chris Hemsworth just, like, yelling at each other, and, like, you see the spit flying out of their mouth and stuff like that, and it's, it's so over the top, you know? Um, so, I don't know, well, I... They, they, they make a joke about that in Thor Ragnarok, with the, like, the scene in the beginning. Uh, yeah, a little bit. Um, and, again, that's, it's like, you know, that, that that's more Taika, like, making fun of, um... Uh, what came before? But Dark like the world, fir- yeah. Yeah, but the, the thing is that the first, the first movie is, it's like it's trying to preemptively laugh at itself to be like, huh? Yeah, we're cool, right? Yeah, this is <laughs> funny. Yeah, and gods it, aren't real. <laughs> it it doesn't really it it doesn't really work that way. But um, I think after all of this Thor stuff that's happened afterwards, I feel like we should revisit the first movie because it's. It just looks and feels different, and I think people should appreciate it a little more in that regard mm-hmm. alone, regardless of the comedy that falls flat. But, mm-hmm. yeah, Kenneth Branagh, there you go. Gilderoy Good. Lockhart, Kenneth Branagh. Yes, yes, Mr. Shakespeare. Sir, Sir Kenneth, Sir Kenneth Branagh. Branagh, yeah, to you. Yes. Sir Kenneth Branagh. I mean, a lot of the a lot of the important things in the first Thor movie, besides that uh, character arc that we established, I mean... You know, the Warriors 3 don't really have anything to do. Most of the human characters don't really have anything to do. It's just kind of a, um... I mean, there is, like, a little bit with Selvig trying to kind of reconcile what he knows about the scientific world and all these mythological-esque discoveries that he's making here. Uh, so, in that regard, it's more so Thor's relationship with, like, these human characters. So, with, uh, with Jane Foster, with Eric Selvig. Um, but... It's more so serving um, Thor's own character growth, learning in learning humility. That that part of the arc that I described. So like the scene when uh, he and Selvig are like having a drink. You know, I actually really love that scene. Um, and you know, a lot of the conversations that he and uh, Jane Foster have, like you know, like when they're in the RV or like when they're at the campfire, stuff like that. Um, and we've talked about a lot of these scenes in previous episodes, like, we talked about the romance between Thor and Jane Foster, and then the whole, uh, Anthony, you and I talked to Betsy about the, the science aspect of that campfire scene, so a lot of it just had to do with setting up that part of the universe, not really so much Thor's character arc himself, because when Joss Whedon picks up the baton in Avengers 1, like, he doesn't really do a lot with that. It's more so, like, hey... Thor touched down on Earth, and now Earth knows that there are, like, crazy aliens all over the place. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, I don't know, I, I didn't want to talk too much about Loki, but, um, uh, it's, it's a very meaty film for him as well. Yeah. I think Loki will eventually come up, no matter <laughs> which movie we discuss. Um, yeah. And that, yeah. was especially the dark world where he's like the only good part yeah Mm. that's actually a great segue into thor the dark world (laughs) Mm -hmm. um loki the dark world yes can i can i I introduce 
this movie with literally what, like, my first viewing of it. Sure. So, as you all know, uh, <laughs> all other than Chris, the three of us here have taken the class. And um, when I first took the class and Chris was teaching, I have not seen Thor The Dark World. This was 2013. 15. Yeah, 2015. Yes. Fall, Fall 2015. 2015. Yeah. Correct. I have not seen, I did not see Thor the Dark World at that time. And I was just like, and Thor the Dark World was coming up on our on our schedule. So I was like, all right, I got to watch it now. And I found a bootleg copy of it online. And there was Not no that we subtitles. condone this. Um, to there was listeners. no subtitles for any of the Dark Elves. <laughs> oh, I know the story. And I didn't need any subtitles because I still understood what the fuck was going on, but also didn't care. <laughs> so I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. And I'm going to, but you know, actually I'm going to go with it's a bad thing. Yeah. Dude, I watched it with subtitles and I still don't remember anything that they said. Yeah. Yeah. I just remember conversation happened. Uh... Then explosion, conversation happens. They talk very slowly because they're speaking a fictional language that they probably learned about five minutes before <laughs> shooting this. <laughs> yeah. Honestly, I was like really excited before the Dark World came out. Like I was I was like posting on Reddit. I was like, look at these clips from the movie that's about to come out. And like no one gave a shit. Like and I was like, I don't understand why these people don't care. And then I went and saw the movie, and it was like, oh, they were right. Definitely. Yeah, well, I mean, I think the the problem with this was that um, you, you get to a point where you're you're sitting in the movie theater, and you see a bunch of trailers in a row, and they all just kind of blur together. So this is, like, after the first Avengers movie, so, like, understandably, there are people who are just kind of marveled out. Um... Like, I I personally still love Iron Man 3, but, like, that was the one that came in between Avengers 1 and Thor 2, so, like, people were not that into it, and people weren't really sure where the MCU was going after that, mm-hmm. so, like, when you, see a, when you see a trailer to Thor 2, the sequel to a movie that not a lot of people were very fond of in the first place, that just, that was just, like, a, a tiny little blip in the radar, and as an MCU fan back then, I also felt that way. <laughs> Um, and I was like, oh, yo, the, the the kid pushes the truck that's floating in the air and it spins around. I guess that's cool. Thor's hitting the hitting the ground with a hammer again. Um, and then there's one part at the end where it looks like Jane Foster's about to die. And then you hear yeah. Chris Hemsworth dramatically yell, no! And then I was like, okay, I guess that's what that movie's going to be then. Um, and I, I feel like I watched that movie out of an obligation to keep track of all this stuff, you know? <laughs> yeah. I think you bring up a good point because I think it was either Iron Man 3 or Thor 2 or Thor Dark World, but that was like the, it was the first movie I felt like I had to watch because like, oh, it's Marvel, right? Um, I think I, I feel like I might've been Iron Man 2, but I think it was definitely like Thor Dark World. And I remember like feeling like, all right. And then I remember like sort of the ending happening when you see like Loki's not, that's not Odin, that's Loki. I remember being unnecessarily excited as a kid the first time I watched it. And then when I watched it the second yeah. time, I was like, eh. 
what is this? <laughs> yeah, I, I was I was just thinking like Thor the Thor franchise definitely has the like most death fakeouts of any Marvel franchise because you've got Loki yeah. who's done it like three times, and then there's the Thor fake out in the first one. Way right, <laughs> fake it out like a bunch of times or something. <laughs> I mean, a lot of people die. Like I remember thinking, like, sorry to like cut you off, Aaron. Um, but I remember thinking, like, as a kid, like, out of that theater, like, oh, this third film, the third Thor film's gonna be like Hamlet, and Thor is gonna like rise to the throne, and Loki's gonna die, and it's gonna be super cool and like epic, and it obviously ended up like being super different. And I did, and I ended up not being as excited as Thor two as I was, like, when I first watched it. But there is an element of like people dying a lot in Shakespeare that sort of makes it, like, pretty funny that people... Uh, you're right, Aaron. Like, there are the most, like, fake-out deaths in the Thor franchise. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if that's the nature of just, like... I don't know if that's the nature of Loki or of just coincidence. Um, yeah. Why not? <laughs> uh, so we talk a lot in the class um, as well when we talk about um, the Dark World, about how Thor is sort of, like... I guess gotten smarter i think is a phrase we sort of use like there's this line loki says it's like oh you lied to me i'm impressed and there's a silly and like we see we show this silly scene where thor puts down his mug gently instead of like crashing it to the ground like he does in the first thor movie like another and <laughs> it's a sense of like thor becoming more human but it's in, but I also find it interesting. Like, I don't know how much that like lines that like sort of humanness like lines up throughout like, the next couple movies. I guess like I don't know if like the human element of like Thor. I sort of learned to like be like a little bit more like gentle. It still is a little bit prevalent, but definitely I think the second movie had that shine out a lot more. Um, if that makes any sense. So the interesting thing about uh, Thor the Dark World and his character arc there is that it's a very flat arc. It's very... It seems more like a demonstration of the person that Thor is now as a result of uh, his growth in the first movie. So, um, you know, I, I've always joked that, I, that um, the only internal conflict in Thor the Dark World for that character is... Uh, his desire to bang Natalie Portman or not, because it's just about um, him choosing his his responsibility in Asgard, or or him choosing his love for uh, Jane Foster, uh, which of course doesn't matter at the end because they break off off screen. So, um, so some interesting, like the only uh, interesting four centric parts. Uh, we're really at like the last act of the movie, like the sorry, the last two acts of the movie. So, um, first I would say him, um, creating this plan to get Jane Foster out with the Warriors three and Sif and uh, and Loki. So the fact that he kind of um puts together like and it, it's shot like a like a kind of heist movie where you see them planning out the, the plan, and then you see the plan actually going on at the same time. Uh, so the fact that he's able to orchestrate that, whereas, like, in the first movie, he would probably just uh, smash everything he sees. Yeah. Um, you know, second, there's the uh, the familial drama aspect of it. 
So when they are traveling through, um, I forget what, uh, one of the realms. Realm it is. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's the very dark one. It's the Spurtle, one with like the dark Spurtle, one. Heim. Sure. Yeah. And uh, it, it's this very like uh extended conversation about um uh between Thor and Loki and like they they kind of hit a few nerves with each other when they like when um when Frigga the mother is uh is mentioned um after that that's kind of it because he's just kind of like a vehicle he's just you know he he gets into a fight but like he's not really the one like there's nothing that he does um during that final battle to indicate that he has learned anything because the end is just him like throwing javelins at uh Christopher Eccleston whose character's name I already forget it's okay um, that's perfectly fine you know, Maliki yeah sure Maliki. and like <laughs> like he's throwing the weird science things that Selvig and Jane Foster made and uh that, that that's that's it and then for no reason he's like yeah dad I'm just gonna go back to Earth and bang Natalie Portman, and it's like, there's... There, there is no, like, through line in that movie, you know? It just kind of... Like, he, he's, like, sad in the beginning of the movie, because he doesn't know if he wants to be on Asgard, and then at the end, he's just like, yeah, I'm just gonna leave Asgard, yo, peace oh, out. Oh, that's the name of it. Zvartalheim. Yeah. Zvartalheim. So he's, like, yeah. sad... More sad, not sad. <laughs> I, I feel like uh, sure. I don't know. I <laughs> I, I I could rewatch that movie again because it's like it's the shortest one because there's there's really? no meat to that movie. Yeah, it is the. I shortest swear, movie. I thought it was like an hour and a half. Yeah, yeah. I thought that like not including credits. I think it's only an hour and a half. Um, or two. Wait, I don't know. It's, it's at not, least a, not even two hours. It's, With so, credits, it's not even two hours. Is it at least 100 so fun minutes? Fact, fun fact, all yeah. of the realms are referenced and pictures of them are shown, except for Alfheim, which is where the light elves are. Wow, that's so, Mus- so fun. <laughs> Muspelheim is the one with the, with the, what's his name, Surtur yeah. in Thor Ragnarok. Niflheim is actually shown... When all the Valkyries are flying through the air, yeah. attacking Hela, mm-hmm. that's Niflheim. Yeah. Then Nidavellir from, you know, the thing. And then Vanaheim, which is shown, is where the rocks things were. Mm-hmm. So, I'm really disappointed they never show Alfheim, because that's like one of the coolest realms you could show. It's got uh-huh. like candy and it's supposed to be like <laughs> like no like this ridiculously over the top sort of place but I think part of that is just like at least the first two Thor movies they're always like really scared to acknowledge oh this this is actually sort of magical so yeah and, and the, the the strange part is that um in the lead up to the second Thor movie they were saying like oh we want we want the second movie to explore more of the realms you know so I was under the impression that it was going to be like this crazy like road kind of movie, um, which was only like partially true for like a very short amount of time. Like you, you get like, yeah. you know, you have that scene that I talked about with Thor and Loki, and then remember the uh, scene with Thor and Malachi where they were hopping between all the worlds exactly, and the cars yeah, and then that, flying yeah, and that, that was like a very like uh tiny way of doing that, you know, like it, it was more of a gimmick than an actual um 
plot point or a theme, you know, that that would have been cool if they were, like, actually, you know, if they made it some sort of, like, Lord of the Rings-esque epic where they have to, like, travel through the realms to, like, stop the convergence or something like that, but it's really just, like, cameo appearances, and that one giant monster that's, I guess, still hopping by the end of that movie, if you remember yeah. what I'm talking about. Oh, yeah, I remember that. Like, yeah. Thor comes back to Earth, he kisses Jane, and then you see, like, the monster, yeah. like, raging throughout Europe. There's there's spice elves in Alfheim. Yeah, Alfheim is like legit. There's mermaids and it's like this. It's like this actual like German Germanic uh, like fantasy world with like castles and fairies. Yeah. Why the fuck didn't we see that? Wait, Aaron, can I? Do you want to talk about your conspiracy theory? For Thor 4. Oh yeah, I'll talk if about it. If you want. That. Okay, so as everyone knows, you know, James Gunn was recently fired and uh, Guardians 3 was put on hold due to this. So uh, there was a lot of controversy, like, among the actors for this. So, and also, I guess, like, how can Disney find someone to really follow up James Gunn's performance? So, like, people were saying, oh, maybe they'll get Taika Waititi. But why would Taika Waititi do Guardians 3? Because uh, he already has, like, his own sort of film voice. He would have to create his own, like, Guardians playlist, and everyone will just compare him to James Gunn. Why would he do that when instead he's already sort of planned for Thor 4, according, like, for example, in one article I read, he and Chris Hemsworth actually sort of outlined what they do uh, at a New Year's Eve party further. Thor Ragnarok and Guardians Volume 2 have almost the same, like, overall grosses. Like, it's within 20 million of each other. So you're saying, instead of making a Guardians 3, they'll just make Thor 4? Yeah, and it's like, uh, there's sort of, like, a gap. No, people would hate that. No, that's dumb. People would hate that. There's a gap in the cosmic... It's a concept. (laughs) Yeah. There's a gap in the... the cosmic part of the MCU because like who knows if there ever will be a Guardians 3. Yeah, I just don't know if he'd be down for that. Like he's already he's already making a, a movie by himself, like that the Hitler thing. Oh. And well, um... I thought he already made that movie. And then I know he's making Wolves, which was like a follow up for um uh, and then he's making what we do in the shadows too. Yeah but well, yeah. But I believe he's making that to a TV series instead. Oh. Uh, but he is involved with it. Uh, I he was attached to Akira at some point. Yes, uh, I thought he was still action. doing it. Uh, it's probably still in negotiations, if I had to guess. But uh, yeah, he said he was. I remember seeing like I, I'm really interested in doing that. Yeah, wait, are, are we done talking talking about the Dark World? <laughs> yes, we are. This was a trip. I want to talk about the actual good movie, please. <laughs> yeah, the conspiracy. <laughs> yeah, the conspiracy theory was a segue because I'm good at those. Um, sort of. Wow. I don't know. Um, but yeah, uh, Thor Ragnarok, to no surprise, was probably most people's favorite Thor movie. Like, I... Probably it's one of your my favorite, favorite movie. Marvel movies. Yeah. It's your favorite, right, Aaron? Oh, uh, yeah, for sure. Thor Ragnarok? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, um, but yeah, I think we can't, I think it's, I, we, I think we can't go around talking about Thor Ragnarok without, I guess, addressing this first question, like, there were so many drastic changes from, like, not just, like, from the Dark World and, like, Thor in, like, Thor Ragnarok. And I will definitely say that most of them, like, were welcome. But I think all of them were welcome. There, yeah. There, there was a big thing where people were just, like, I remember 
2013 or 2014, um, when there was that big conference where Kevin Feige uh, came out and did the the Apple the Apple keynote of like yeah. this is the movies that are coming out, and then Thor Ragnarok came out. There was very little uh, fanfare for that. And as well as the fact no, that no, 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 the thing that made the fanfare was the word Ragnarok, but, um, like, but, but when you look at the old logo for that, it's literally just, I was gonna make that the point Thor, well. the, it's literally just the Thor, the Dark World logo, but with more smoke and fire and, like, it's slightly darker, whereas, yeah. like, now it's, like, 80s synth, yeah. synth wave yeah yeah <laughs> yeah in our lecture for sort of dark world and um for suko like i think well for one aaron really took the reins on that because it's her favorite movie but mm. you talk about that too like how it looked so different to like what the, it actually yeah. was exactly yeah i think that was because of like Maybe after, like, Ultron, I think, is, like, the point where, like, I think Miles touched for us, oh, like, we're being, like, super serious, like, we'll, like, liven up, like, lighten up a little bit, and I think, like, mm-hmm. after, I think, like, somewhere in Phase 3, a light bulb just, like, hit, and they start producing, like, hit after hit after hit after hit. It was just mm-hmm. impossible to, like, have them, well, like, top The entirety of Phase 3 was good. Yeah. yeah. It's the most like solid, consistent. I think. Yeah. With like the division of the phases, like phase one, they were just trying to find out, you know, how to make good superhero movies, and with phase two, they were just sort of plotting along, following what they previously discovered. And with phase three, they actually decided to start like experimenting with new things. So they brought on more independent directors and people, you know, and go with more original stories compared to the other two phases. So mm-hmm. it's definitely. Mm-hmm. A real improvement. So I want to I want to preface Mike before I get into Thor Ragnarok um, that a lot of what I'll be talking about is also referenced in a really great video by um, Movies with Mikey, um, which is part of the uh, FilmJoy YouTube channel, and the title of the video is Why Thor Thor Ragnarok is the Perfect Reboot. So I highly recommend anyone listening to check out that video it's very good and it condenses basically all my thoughts on what i think about how great this movie is and what it does for the mcu and what it does for thor as a character um into one little 24 minute video it was i think where do we start i guess but like the trailer i think like yeah it this is this is gonna be something different this is gonna be something fun Everyone already, everyone knows how bad the Dark World was and what Thor was and how people thought about Thor from Age of Ultron. It's like, we're going to do something different. Everyone, hop aboard this train. That that trailer alone was like, it was basically the scene in Pulp Fiction where they, they, they put an adrenaline shot in Uma Thurman's heart and she just like comes alive all of a sudden like that's mm-hmm. that's basically what that was because i i think people were unfairly um comparing that trailer to like oh this is just like guardians of the galaxy uh i which, think it's very different from the yeah well, yeah which in in terms of like okay yes it's like lighter and funnier there's and there's colors. like there's pop music song in it. yeah exactly yeah, the, the guardians um, don't have like copyright on colors and music yeah music <laughs> Uh, the, the thing is that um, I feel that the tonal change was more of a reaction to the Thor movie specifically and not so much the overall MCU. 
because when you look back at like what Taika Waititi was saying about his ideas, he was saying he was saying um, first off he wants Thor to be the most interesting character in his own movie, which was kind of like mm-hmm. a side jab at the fact that like Loki was everyone focused like, on Loki center star exactly no. yeah yeah um and. You know, uh, he he always talks about Big Trouble in Little China being his main inspiration. You know, the 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 idea of you have this protagonist who is not really that involved in the actual overall um, conflict. So, like Thor is like thrown in this um, the Sicarian uh, revolution, which like he couldn't couldn't really give a damn about. He's just trying to get back to his home world. But like so many unfortunate things are just happening to him over and over again, and you you um you kind of feel like this um this like kinsmanship, like this companionship with Thor, like the, as you like follow him through this like absurd journey. Um, and it's it took more it, it it's it continued the trend of trying to make Thor into a comedy to be more relatable. But it works because instead of making fun of itself, like it was just a genuinely funny movie. Like they were able to kind of um, use Hemsworth's um, natural ability. comedic prowess. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, because yeah. you, you've seen him in Ghostbusters, you've seen him in Vacation and stuff like that. Like he, oh, uh, he is known to be a. Really uh, I don't know Vacation if those movies are good, but like apparently he was good in them. So like, well, uh, Vaca- oh, okay, like, see, it, Vacation was not. I heard <laughs> Ghostbusters was not. I heard the new Ghostbusters was, like, pretty good, but, like, no one watched because of all, like, the shit surrounding it. Yeah. Hashtag, the feminists are taking over. I love that. I love that. That's a whole other, that's a whole different discussion with that. That's another episode. It's interesting that you, it's interesting that you mentioned, Chris, that, um, like, it was, I I forgot, I don't remember your words, you know, this was, like, a minute ago, like, so, like, self, being self-aware and, like, being, like, making fun of itself, but, like, it actually pays off. And, like, in like and earlier when we talked about the first story we were saying like it kind of sort of it was not make it was making fun of the concept in general but like it was making yeah. fun of itself like it's the concept in general i'm just being like like we're making fun of the fact that this we're very is so ridiculous yeah this is this this is becoming this is now a self-aware character that is just that it that literally becomes the god that he was there's no more boundary between the the science and the magic we're not trying to be realistic with this we're just trying to make it we're just trying to make it good does that make sense yeah yeah oh yeah i mean it's 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 embracing the absurdity and it's um you see it as soon as he lands on sakar where it starts fucking playing uh imagination Uh, yeah (laughs) he's on like the little thing he's going to like the the joke like the homage to the ferry boat ride and yeah in the chocolate factory also just the uh the the language you know the way Mm -hmm. that thor and loki actually speak it's it's less shakespearean prose and more just like i mean like thor says like in most of his sentences and um he kind of has like this kind of silly exactly yeah in the video i'm referencing he kind of calls uh thor like like relates him to the OC, like a character from the OC who just, who's like actually sure. a bumbling idiot and yeah. says like all the time. Yeah, so it's very it, that's funny. Yeah, it's an interesting take on that. Like especially when you compare um compare the first time you see adult Thor in Thor one 
when he's like about to be crowned king and he has the ceremonial helmet and he's like all cocky and like kind of reveling in all of the the glory and then when he actually becomes king at the end of Ragnarok he just kind of turns around looks at all his people and he gives like the most awkward wave ever um <laughs> like it 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 it's like a very it's a very stark contrast you know like the 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 humility really shows in like this very big way and i think the the language kind of well, helped um ease us into that because when you did, did a big part of like showing his humility as well yeah. combined with all the humor and yeah stuff. yeah um, um and the thing about like <sighs> rewatch that scene in avengers one where um thor like extracts loki from the shield um quinjet and they're talking on this rock like in the middle of the forest or something like that and it's like it's like a like a 3 to 5 minute scene and it's just kind of thor and loki like kind of catching up and um like getting all of these yeah they're getting all these things out of the air but the way they talk you can just imagine Joss Whedon, like, as keyboard, just, like, gleefully typing in, in as the I most, yes, the most, like, Shakespearean, Shakespeare-ass <laughs> shit ever. <laughs> like, he is we, full hey, of himself. Hey, hey, you want to do get help? Do I look, get help? Do I look to be in a gaming mood? And it's, like, like stuff like that. And, um, it's, it feels so strange just watching that now. Um, compared yeah. to, yeah, to get help, I guess. Uh, when I when I was a child, uh, Loki knew I loved snakes, so uh, there was a snake crawling around, and I I picked up the snake and I was admiring it, and then uh, and then he transformed, and then it bit me, and he transformed back into Loki, and it's like ah ah, it's me. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yep. <laughs> Just telling yeah. that story is 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 perfect, and kind of encapsulates what the. The, the drastic change in dialogue is in this movie. Mm-hmm. I think, I think like the most, I guess, I think one of the most telling aspects to see how much like Thor, Ra- like see what Thor Ragnarok did for the Thor franchise is, is it in general, was like all the meaning and significance behind everything. Almost like, for example, like the song, they play like the immigrant song like in the trailer and then they use it in like the first scene of Thor Ragnarok. And then it comes back again um, when Thor is fighting Hela off in, like, the final battle. And, like, just the fact that they made significance of that song, like, it mattered in this movie. Mm-hmm. I think just shows, like, that they just, the one thing that they, they, one, like, big thing that they changed was, like, they just put more care into it. Like, Taika Waititi sort of, when, like, when, like, yeah, Taika Waititi sort of, like, fleshed out Thor a lot and, like, made him, like, a character who really does like learn and Mm -hmm. who's quotable and who's memorable even like i was in my um one of my english classes and i almost i almost quoted um asgard is in the place it's a people because it just stuck out that (laughs) much more to me was it like (laughs) that's they were talking about like the different definitions of like it was like a they, they were talking about the different definitions of like science as a science writing class so they were talking about the different definitions of like science, like science, like the study and like, like the biology, the chemistry, and then the science, like the scientists studying like these sciences. So like, it's a micro or mac- like micro or macro in that sense. It's like, I almost quoted like Asgard isn't a place. It's a people. And I was like, no, don't. I was like, nah, it's, it's fine. I don't know enough so, about 
what I'm learning. <laughs> so, so kind of going into a little bit more on, on Thor's. Do, do you guys want to go into Thor's arc, or do you guys want to talk more about like the side characters and the the plot of the movie and what it kind of does for the Thor franchise and the MCU? I forward? I'm more interested in the three movie arc, to be honest. Okay. Yeah, me too. So I also yeah. So what we what we, we see in, in in Thor one, we see Thor, you know, fish out of water, blah blah blah. I need my hammer back. Learns what it well, like interacts with human beings learns how to be a person uh you know like learns how to care and you know what does it mean to be uh you know to be thor god of thunder um all that stuff and then thor the dark world is like uh what's it's like him like because it's him like it's a good thing it's him him choosing between like earth and like asgard and like granted it's not done well but that's you sort the, of like okay. see so, uh, him trying to balance out that yeah. double life. Like other MCU properties have done this better, but like that's yeah. I think at the core what Thor two focuses on, and I think okay. Thor three is like him sort of. It, Thor becomes human to become a god. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, it's really weirdly, but that kind a of. God it, I, I think Thor two kind of like throws a wrench in all this because. Um, you know, in my head, I have this idea because I go back to that final, those first image and the final images of Thor about to become king and then Thor actually becoming king as like the bookends of that trilogy. Um, the I I know that like him being grounded on Earth is a necessary uh, part of his journey to eventually becoming a worthy leader of the Asgardian people. The problem with Thor too is that. It kind of ends with the conclusion that he belongs on Earth, which doesn't really make sense. And then Age of Ultron undoes that because he's like, "Oh, I have this vision of the Infinity Stones. I I have to like, I I have to take up my larger responsibility for the universe, for like all of the realm, for the whole of existence." Um. Then you get to Ragnarok, where like he, you know, kind of fulfills that, not not in the way he expected to, because the Asgard, the place gets freaking destroyed at the end, but he is, like, he is, um, the de facto leader. Like, he, he saves all of them, and he leads them now. And then, I guess, I don't know, briefly about Infinity War, his whole arc is like, hey, what happens when he loses literally all of that? Yeah, um, what happens when you lose? Yeah. A yeah. man who's lost everything. Yeah. yeah. But Aaron, did you? Were you trying to I say was something? Saying, like, um, with Thor two, Thor's like, "Yo, I belong on Earth," and then, psych, I'm going back to space. Right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah but uh, I actually like the thing that interests me most about Ragnarok is sort of like, um, I guess the first of all, like the commentary about like how to deal with loss, and also in addition, like sort of finding out, uh. The way they handle, like, the backstory for Asgard, it's sort of, I don't know if I want to get in, but, um, like, finding, Thor finding out, oh, maybe this place isn't exactly what I thought it was, like, it, I always thought, you know, we found this through diplomacy, but it sort of has, like, some historical parallels, arguably. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. The concept of like like washing history, you know, um, 
kind of cleaning it up in a way Clean that's slate. more digestible. Like, like yeah, you usually usually through artistic murals of like of like very happy images when in actuality it was really like a lot of um you know a lot of like atrocities of war and mm-hmm. uh, a lot of just like gnarly like awful stuff. Uh, for some reason, Siri thought I uh, called it, but no, I did not. So, um, I'll mention this in my dad episode, and I've mentioned it multiple times before. Uh, Odin is supposed to is like is supposed to be that that you know is the father and the father figure to to Thor, and when Thor learns of the mistakes of his father, he does his best to fix that. To, to to change the mistakes of the people before him. To not be a war criminal. Are you talking about Black Panther? No, I'm talking about Thor. <laughs> <laughs> but it's it's the same. It's very similar, yes. Um Yeah, I think like Yeah, it's a lot this I think it's a lot about like, you know, changing like like his entire like before, like, Infinity War, like, in Thor Ragnarok, his entire, like, world almost, like, breaks. Like, his father's dead. Like, oh, Sykes, I had a sister. Um, and he's trying to... He's becomes a king of Asgard, like, in the place and, like, the people sense. Because he sort of learned to, like, delegate, like, af- I guess delegate effectively and, like, really be, like, a really good king. And if they do do a Thor... For it would be really interesting to see where that ends up, but uh, really quickly. <laughs> oh wait, okay. No, I, like, well, I was gonna, I could add on to my Thor if they make a Thor four, what I would like the plot. Oh to be, yes. But <laughs> I would really like you know sort of a siege storyline, not necessarily like have you know Earth attack Asgard, but sort of the idea of building Asgard on Earth. I think it'd be really interesting, uh, sort of like. Can we get Beta Ray Bill? That'd be kind of cool. Sort of, like, the interactions, like, if Thor ended up settling down in Norway, or New Mexico, which would be sort of interesting, because it has, like, a comic parallel with Broxton, Oklahoma, but in Norway. um, Like, how, uh, first of all, the, like, residents of that area would deal with having these weird Shakespearean people be their neighbors. What would, what would Thor's arc be? What would his, what would his change from Thor Ragnarok with person that's lost and Infinity War with person that's lost everything? Well, I would imagine... Loose cannon, too old for this shit. Uh, the, uh, he's got something. I mean, you have to speculate on what happens in Avengers Four. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh god. He's got, he's got nothing to lose. He's a loose cannon yes. cop with nothing to lose. I'm sorry. I just yeah. love. He's lost everything. I mean, they're actually just gonna everything. turn it. They're gonna turn it into a sitcom where you have an Asgardian <laughs> and a human be roommates. They Isn't that, that what Steve Thor is? Dale. No, uh, Daryl. Daryl. Yeah. Daryl. Daryl. Yeah. Um, super quickly, I want to touch into, I guess, y'all's opinions on what Infinity, what Infinity War did to Thor. What it did to Thor. What did they do? What did they do to yeah. my son? No, I'm just kidding. Yeah. I definitely have heard both Cam's and like, how like, oh, like, 
the Russos didn't completely destroy Thor's arc, and then the other argument, which I think I'm sort of in, was that the Russos almost undid everything Taika Waititi did in Thor Ragnarok, because, like, now you have Thor frantically searching for a weapon, Stormbreaker, even though he's shown in Ragnarok that he doesn't need a hammer to be a god. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I wanted to so the, hear so the argument y'all's is thoughts that, about that. Oh, that weapon is to... That weapon is for the to kill Thanos, but it's yeah. not. It, it, he doesn't need that to be a god. But that's yeah, being I, very specific. Huh? No, I'm just I'm just being very specific. Like oh. that's the the specific reason, but it still doesn't come across like that. Like, you know what I mean? I, I yeah, I think in the I think in the broader sense, like. It just seems like, oh, like, Thor's, like, searching for this weapon. Like, but he's, he's not going to so have that like... weapon after Avengers 4, regardless of what happens. Oh, you think? I don't think he'll you have think that. think so? I think he'll actually give it away to someone. <laughs> Who could possibly adult. hold that thing? <laughs> I mean, it's just I, I made of his arm. Think, I don't think he'll need that. Mm-hmm. But, okay. uh, but you gotta sell toys, man. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe he'll, like, smelt it back into a hammer. Just, like... So so here here's the thing about Stormbreaker, and I totally get why people are upset about it, and I to 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 an extent I was as well. It's like one of like three big things that it kind of like quote unquote undid from Ragnarok. So the thing about Stormbreaker is they were trying to they're trying to fit Thor into the theme of the mo- of the movie Infinity War, not necessarily his overall character arc. Because uh, a big theme of Infinity War was was willpower, right? Like, um, like it's, mm-hmm. all, it's all about, like, Thanos having the willpower to, like, do what he believes to be the thing that has to be done. And everyone else's willpower to, uh, to stop him at any cost. And, like... Are you the god of hammers? Yeah, and, and most, most... What? Yeah, and most of the characters are not able to, like make sacrifices, whereas, like, Thanos was, that therefore he wins, which we already talked about. It was kind of a dubious uh, theme, kind of cynical, but um, when you look at Thor, like, holding the door open, like, holding the, uh, uh, like, when he's letting the the energy of the star, of the dying star, basically go through him, um, that was meant to be like, okay, this is what Thor's story is about. It's about his willpower, how far he's willing to go to defeat Thanos because Thanos like just decimated everything that he had. Um, and Thor has like nothing left to lose anymore, so he's just like he is like using he's doing everything in his power that he can to like defeat this dude. Um the problem with that is that you know the whole the whole theme of Ragnarok was that okay the 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 power is actually within yourself you know like you are the god of thunder like you can do all and not once does he not once does not once does he try to actually do that in Infinity War uh, instead he's like very fixated on like I I cannot fight Thanos without this thing you know um, and to be fair like even when he figured out his power in Ragnarok. He still couldn't fight Hela. He had to Until, enlist. Like, he was pushed to his limit. No, he had to. He had to get uh, giant fire dude Surtur to do it for him. Oh, yeah. yeah. Thor yeah. did not beat Hela. He he outsmarted her, but he did not actually 
beat her in physical combat because he was not able to. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can't count on Surtur this time around. <laughs> like, so like he wanted to become that guy, and to some people that it it like rubbed people off the wrong way because you know it's like Thor turning into a weapon of mass destruction into like instead of this lovable smart guy that we know in Ragnarok, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, cause like now he's just upset. He's, he's vengeful, you know, which is not a character trait that people find to be positive in these Marvel movies, especially when you talk about civil war, which is by the same damn writers where the whole thing was like, vengeance bad. <laughs> um, and to be fair, vengeance is what gets Thor to mess up at the end. He's upset about killing yeah. Thanos and making him feel pain, but Thanos still does the thing because he's like grandstanding. Uh, and I'll I'll go quickly about the Asgardian well, people dying and one uh, hitting thing getting the add, eye back. Sure. To add on to that last point, maybe that was kind of the whole thing was that this the that even though the hammer that the hammer was you the the axe was used more as a pain mechanism, like you look what you did to me, like revenge mechanism. Hmm. Than a than him like if he actually like just an went actual out of his weapon, then like an actual not not like an actual weapon, but like him using his own power to defeat him. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. What do y'all think of him getting an eye back? I think. Oh I my think. god, that was just that was so fast. They were like, "Oh, we're gonna take his eye," and then that's yeah. I don't like I the eye like... thing. <laughs> me neither i think like i feel i i would prefer if they just like i don't know if like if he took out the old like the robot eye or if they like ripped his other eye out or something like <laughs> <laughs> no no it wouldn't, I would it still prefer... wouldn't be it still wouldn't be um it wouldn't make uh it wouldn't make sense metaphorically because like the loss of the eye is supposed to be like odin like something you you sacrifice something yeah. I think like they I feel like they kind of did for toys I'm not gonna lie now that I think about it more but um what, what do you mean it takes five seconds to not have an eye but like aesthetic what I don't I, aesthetic was, I don't what's know. wrong with my Thor toy he only has one <laughs> eye <laughs> um yeah but um just to quickly wrap it up um I have two questions for all of you, because the third one, um, I know everyone's answered for already, probably. Um, how would you define Thor as a character, and how would you define Thor as a franchise? Including, like, and you can include, like, all the stuff we talk about, like, Avengers and Ultron and, like, Infinity War. Like, you can include, like, those details in, like, the pot as well. Uh, definitely him becoming a one-man army, like, an arrogant one-man army into a more wholesome uh team player i think is the big thing yeah um that's how i would describe his overall arc um and um even though like the tones of the movies they're all they're all so different you know yeah um i think the problem with thor in the ensemble movies is um he just in the in the Joss Whedon ones he's just kind of like there as a necessity you know a punchline again um not not even a punchline because like he, there's no well, I like think, I think he's more of a punchline in Avengers one 
besides the like Shakespeare the, the in the Park Hulk, Hulk Hulk gag, Man, there wasn't uh, like, sure. The the, yeah. the the dialogue being drastically different, like sure, uh-huh, look sure. at them speaking like yeah. English. Uh, yeah. Uh, the problem is you you can't you can't view Ragnarok you can't you can't view Infinity War as like Ragnarok's like one point five or something like that because it's like I said it's about Thor um helping the overall movie rather than the overall movie serving his character arc so that's where things kind of get a little shaky um which is why I I, I mentioned the eye because what that does um that better serves rocket's character as someone who's able to empathize with someone mm-hmm. and be like hey i know you've gone through a shit time but i i know i can't ha- fix everything for you but here's one thing i can try to fix for you like that's a great rocket yeah. moment mm-hmm. but not yeah. a good thor moment you know yeah um so it's really interesting when... when you get um yeah so like that and, and that comes down to how to manage every character in an ensemble movie like, yeah. Does, yeah. Does one character lose something that another character drastically gains, and you have to balance yeah. that? Yeah. So I I think like um, I I don't think they definitely did not plot out an arc for Thor overall. You know, they're just like and like it, that's not really the case with any of the Marvel characters. They're just picking up on what where the last dude uh uh left off. So yeah, I think Ragnarok significant because it is the one where they figured out how to make Thor into a cool leading man. You know, yeah, and like the personality was translated well into Infinity War, even though some of the plot elements were not so much, according to a lot of Thor fans. Um, so I don't know. I when we talk about who's gonna die in Avengers Four, like no one's mentioning Thor because no one wants him to die because it feels like we just figured him out. You know? Yeah, yeah. So, so um, so other than the points that Chris made, which are very good and have basically what I was going to say. Um, I'm going to end this with a quote by the video I also mentioned. Um, yeah. Uh, Thor, what, what, what? <laughs> you should just, like, just link, just play that video like during this podcast instead. No, no, I want to, I, I want to link it. I want to link the okay. video because I think it's, it's very important to what we also discussed. Yeah. The video only talks about Thor Ragnarok. It doesn't talk about okay. any of the other movies. Sure. Um, but it says Thor Ragnarok is a single film in a popular franchise, itself a part of a much larger branded franchise that managed to reboot its own narrative and tone without changing actors or affecting the larger cinematic world at large. And this should have shaken the fabric of the MCU, but it didn't. Erin, do you have any last thoughts? Uh, no, I think it's about covered. I mean, yeah. He's, he went from a vain, foolish, cruel boy to... <laughs> Like a king who should have aimed for the head. But yeah. 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 Hey, thank you so much for working with me, Zay, for um reference Anthony said before the podcast, Izzy, are you okay? And I said, Yes, everything's under control. But like it actually yeah. is, like don't worry. But like, yeah, thank you for being all oh boy. with me today. Um if you wanna go around give your social media handles. Uh, Anthony? Uh, mine is at the Pizza Taco on Twitter. Chris, what about you? Uh, you can find me at Compenderizer. Um, I, I, I might be wrong with the schedule. I have to look it up later. Maybe I'll edit this out later, but I think I might be at New York Comic Con by the time this is out. So if you're in New York City, HMU. 
Aaron, is there anything you want to plug? Nope. I didn't realize I was on Twitter for this. Are you, are you, are you pulling another uh, Thomas in that you just don't want to be found? Yeah. Well, I mean, I have a All Facebook, right. but I don't have any other, yeah. Yeah, yeah. No okay. Insta, no, uh... No Twitter? LinkedIn. <laughs> oh, I have a LinkedIn. Oh, my God. Holy shit. Uh, guys, Venom comes out in, like, a week and a half. What? Yeah. yeah. Venom comes out yeah. next week. Yeah. I think uh what I have planned for that is not only an episode uh examining the actual movie but also just examining the existence Sony. of the movie cuz I know <laughs> cuz I know Thomas will have a lot of thoughts about this. So look forward to that at yeah. some point. Yeah. Yeah, I think um basically we have a Facebook group for um people who take Nesuko and it's going to be either hashtag watch venom or hashtag boycott venom and We'll see what happens. Come on. That's such a stupid thing. (laughs) I came up with it initially. That's that's true. Because I but I also remember I also didn't witness any of it. The only reason the only reason also why I'm thinking about like just boot like bootlegging it is because like the the turd in the wind quote. They're not doing anything malicious with this movie. At worst, it's just a dumb thing that no one's gonna watch. There's no need to protest against the evils of the Venom movie. Look, uh, we'll go in. God damn. It will go into that. It's okay. We'll go into that story, um, in a couple weeks. I got um, movie pass. I'm just gonna watch that for yeah. failing industry. Yeah, actually, like, yeah, actually, like next week. But yeah, um, as always, you can follow me at Delirolynth. Um, thank you to Stephen Molitor for the music and Charles for our swanky new logo. Um, and wait, we're gonna yeah. use the logo finally. Uh, yeah, we've been using I, I, it. Yeah. On the uh, YouTube uh, videos, yes. Oh. I'm to change up the podcast artwork, but yes. Yes. Okay. Yes. I mean, it's, I mean, the other one's, like, just me, so it's, like, thanking myself, and that's, like, really awesome. Nah. But, yeah. Thanks, guys. Um, yeah. Bye. Uh,